third message on the Holy Spirit. So tonight, the Holy Spirit, giver of life. And there's no particular text this evening, as in the, over the past three Sunday afternoons, we're going to cover various passages of Scripture. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our God and Father, we bow before you the Most High, the Lord of heaven and earth, Lord Jesus, Lord of glory, who was crucified for our sins, and Holy Spirit, giver of life, our Lord and our God. We worship you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, asking that you would speak with us from your word. Speak with us, eternal God. For Jesus' sake and for our good. Amen. Now, in this week, I prayed to the Lord and I prayed Jeremiah 33, verse 3. And I said, Lord, will you show me great and hidden things that I have not known? And Monday or Tuesday, I started my sermon preparation on this sermon tonight and on Wednesday and I went back and forth in prayer and I said to the Lord, Lord, let me not, not dishonor your name when I preach and preach a cold message and it doesn't move anyone. Please teach me. Help me to get this thing to fit this puzzle. And the Lord heard my prayer. And he showed me things about the Holy Spirit I never knew. Things I did not know and did not understand before. And I saw wondrous things out of the Word of God. And so much so that, that I had to stop my preparation. I told Rulf and Kurs at our elders' prayer meeting on, on Thursday that I would barely type a paragraph and I was so overwhelmed and my heart so warmed that I had to step aside and just be in wonder and awe and worship of God the Holy Spirit. And I hope at least something of that, I hope that you will feel the same and your heart would be strangely warmed and in awe and in reverence and fear and delight in the Holy Spirit tonight. We're going to look at two creations tonight. And the first one, what will that be? Well, the first creation. <laughs> the first creation. That's why Gideon read uh, Genesis 1 verse 1 to 5. Now we know, we know that the Father created. And we know that the Son created. For instance, in John chapter 1, or Colossians 1 verse 16, John chapter 1 verse 1 to 3, we see the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, Creating, He created. All things are created by Him or through Him and for Him, says Colossians 1. We know that the Father created. In Proverbs chapter 8, you read of the Father speaking to wisdom. And then you realize as you go on, wisdom is not just a something, it's a someone. And it's the Son of God. And God creates through His wisdom, He creates the world. In Acts chapter 4, verse 24, the early disciples are praying and they pray to the Father and say, Lord, Sovereign Lord, Creator of heaven and earth. Alright, so the Father created, the Son created. What about the Holy Spirit? 
Did the Holy Spirit create the world? Well, Genesis 1 verse 1, Gideon read for us, the very first verse, In the beginning, God. What's the Hebrew word there? Elohim, as we just sang. Elohim, creator God. Elohim, actually, the root of the word Elohim is singular. El, with a plural suffix. So it's a singular root with a so this is, yes, it may speak of the great power of God and so on, but we as Christians definitely know, oh, there's something else here. There's one person, and there's or, or one God, but more than one person creating. And then the next verse tells you that. The Spirit of God, verse 2, the second part. The Spirit of God. Okay, God and the Spirit. And then the next verse, and God Said. Who's that said? The Word. In the beginning was the Word. And we know that from John chapter 1. The Word creates. And then you go down to verse 26. And God is now speaking. And God says, one God. God said, let us make man in our image. One God speaking in the plural. Hmm, is he talking to the angels? Well, the angels didn't create us, and we're not created in the image of angels. So there's more than one person, Isaiah, and then you find it again in Genesis 3, Genesis verse, uh, chapter 11, you see God speaking, and God says, let us. Isaiah 6 verse 8, God said, whom shall I send, who will go for? Us, plural. Alright, so how this works is, the Father gives the command. And the Son carries it out. So that's why I saw this earlier this year for the very first time in my life. And I've read Genesis 1 many times. For instance, verse 14. And God said. And then you go down to verse 16. And God made. Ooh, who's the God who says? It's the Father. Who's the God who makes? It's the Word. It's the Son. And that you find throughout. Verse 20 again. God said. Verse 21. God created. So you've got the Father speaking. And the Son is that word. Who now puts it into action. And you get that in, in, in uh, Psalm 33. Verse 6. By the word of the Lord the heavens were made. And verse 9 again. The word of the Lord is the one who created everything. And then John I just referred to. In the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And all things were created through Him. And without Him was not anything made or created that was made. He did it all. And then Hebrews 11 verse 3, By faith we understand that God created the universe by the Word. The Word of God. Alright, so you've got the Father creating, the Son creating again. What about the Spirit? Well, Genesis 1 verse 2. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the water. So here's the Spirit of God. God has created, can I can Afrikaans say, the forum. So it's like you've just uh, pushed the clay and squeezed it together, but it's the raw form, it's the unfinished form, and now the Spirit of God. He's hovering over the waters, ready to bring order from chaos. Order from what is not yet shaped. And so he indeed does that. He brings order from chaos 
And so who's the one? Who's the one who sees to it that creation happens in order? Day one, day two, day three, four, five, six. It's the Spirit who brings order from this unfinished form and finishes creation. And you see in verse 2, it says, Genesis 1, the Spirit of God hovering like a bird. He's hovering over the waters, gliding over the waters. Uh, that very same Hebrew word is, is used only in one other place in that form, and maybe another one in Jeremiah, but one other place it's used, and that's Deuteronomy 32, verse 11, where, it's, where God says to Israel, they, they too were in the wilderness, in verse 10, where there's chaos, and then you see like an eagle over its nest, hovering, gliding over the nest, brooding, ne amperi Afrikaans brui, brooding like the bird on the nest, and brings these, these eggs, brings life from them. And here's the Spirit hovering like this bird over the waters to bring life. And so the Spirit is the one who gives life in creation. Who, who stretched out the heavens? Who created that water that we read of, the Spirit of God brooding or hovering over the water? Who brought the land from the sea to make it rise? Who's the one who filled sky and sea and land with life? It's the Spirit. Let me read some verses to you. So verse 2, we have that. Spirit hovering over the waters. There's chaos in verse, verse uh, 2, or the unfinished form. And it's He who now broods to bring life. Like the, the, the mother bird on the eggs to bring life. To bring them to life. And then you've got in Psalm 33, verse 6 and 7. I'm just going to page, and if you can keep up, try Psalm 33, verse 6, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made by the breath of His mouth all their hosts. What's the word breath in Hebrew? Spirit. Ruach. This very same word in Genesis 1, verse 2. So by the Spirit of God, He brings the stars like diamonds scattered into the black night sky. Makes it beautiful. Now I'm going to read a verse on that just now. Verse 7. He, He, this breath of God, He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap. He puts the deeps in storehouses. And then I move to Job. Your, Job 26 verse 13. It says, By His wind the heavens were made fair. By His wind, what's the Hebrew word for wind? Ruach again, spirit. By His spirit the heavens were made beautiful with stars and planets and nebulae, sun and moon, galaxies, constellations. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 12 and 13. Isaiah 40, verse 12 and 13. The prophet writes, Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? What's the answer to that question? Who has marked off the heavens with a span? What's the answer to that? Who has enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure, weighed the mountains in scales and hills in a balance? And then it says in the ESV, Who has measured the Spirit of the Lord? Or what man shows him, the Spirit, his counsel? Who has told the Spirit how to create these mountains and stretch out the skies? It's the Spirit who does all of this. 
And then here's a, here's a well-known verse. In Psalm chapter 8, verse 3, it says, When I consider the moon and the stars, the work of your fingers. What does that mean? Well, you hear Jesus say, I cast out demons by the finger of God. In Luke, but in Matthew he says, I cast out demons by the Spirit of God. Who created the moon and the stars? The finger of God. The Spirit of God. So just imagine this. I, I actually remember once, we were in Belito in 2012, and one morning during my quiet time, my devotions, I was reading Genesis 1 and 2, and I just thought over this biblical meditation, thinking, what was it like? Here's this barren piece of land. God has now created the seas, the Spirit of God hovering over the waters, ready to bring life. And then the next thing you have is light and darkness separated, the waters and the waters separated, and then what rises from the water? It pushes up the land. Now you've got this barren piece of land, and the next moment God speaks. And who is it? All of a sudden, everywhere, you just see grass starting to push from the ground, sprouting, and green everywhere, and flowers, and trees, and blossoms, and fruit. Life. It's the Spirit of God who does this and brings this life. And who is it even now when you see color and springtime and blossoms and fruit starting to, to, uh, to come out, the little buds and knobs, and, and then they ripen and rain and sunshine, light to give life. And when it's time for the wildebeest to have calves to carve and time for the lions to have cubs, and you see little lion cubs and little calves jumping with joy. Who is it that brings all of this life? Let me not just tell you it's the Spirit of God and you sh as if you should believe me. You should believe God. Let me read this to you. Psalm 104, verse 30. Psalm 104, verse 30 says, when you sent forth your spirit, they are created. And if your Bible says breath or wind, it's the exact Hebrew word. When you sent forth your spirit, they are created. You renew the face of the ground. Beautiful. You just see spring and freshness. And yesterday, today and tomorrow, as I said last Sunday, and jasmine and all the fragrances in the air, the fragrances of spring. It's the Spirit of the Lord who does this. Now we come to the greatest work of creation. What is that? Yes. And who creates man? Who brings man to life? The Father speaks. The Son takes action and creates. And the Spirit gives life. God creates Adam from the clay, from the ground. And then... God blows into his nostrils the breath of life. That's the Spirit of God. And Adam takes his first <coughs> breath. 
And God creates man in His image. Genesis 1 verse 26. Man is special. But it's not only Adam. Who weaves, who creates the baby in the womb of its mother? A baby, the only baby in all of history with those fingerprints. The only baby in all of history with that spirit. God gives that baby His own spirit, a human spirit, a soul. Who is it that does that? Again, it's the Spirit of God. Job 27, verse 3. As long as my breath is in me and the Spirit of God is in my nostrils. <laughs> God gives that life, breathes that life. Chapter 34, or 33, Job 33, verse 4. The Spirit of God has made me. The breath of the Almighty gives me life. And then you move on. Uh, Psalm 139, I read this morning, verse 7. Where shall I go from your Spirit? And then you move down in the Psalm, and Sean preached on the rest of the Psalm, where it says, You knit me together in my mother's womb. Who's the you? The very Spirit you cannot escape from knit you together and created you. And in uh, Ecclesiastes 11, this is a tricky verse, it's translated in different ways, but Ecclesiastes Prediker 11 verse 5, it says, Who knows how the spirit comes to the bones in that body of the baby in the womb? It's God who gives that child a soul. What about Jesus? Who created Jesus in the womb? Well, Jesus is the eternal God, but His human nature is not eternal. Jesus wasn't a human. He became a human. And it's the Spirit of God. The angel said to Joseph, Do not be afraid. Do not leave Mary. What is created in her is done by the Spirit of God. Jesus, or the angel Gabriel, said to Mary, The Holy Spirit will overshadow you, the Almighty. And He will create in your womb. He will do a miracle in your womb. Without you sleeping with a man, He will create a child. And that child will be called the Son of God. Now, it doesn't end when you're born. So, Rulf, you are born. You know that, right? Yes. <laughs> so, you are born... But the work of the Spirit doesn't end there. Even now that you're alive, who is it that keeps you alive? Who is it that gives you breath? Who is it that gives you every single thing you need? Water, food, fresh air, sleep, health. It's the Spirit of God who does this. In Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 20 and 21, God speaks of the Israelites in the desert. And they're praying now to God and they say, You gave your good spirit to instruct the Israelites and didn't withhold your manna from their mouth. You gave them water for their thirst. Forty years you sustained them in the wilderness. They lacked nothing. Who was it? It was the good spirit of God. Their clothes did not wear and their feet did not swell. In Job again, chapter 34, verse 14 and 15. If God should set His heart to it and gather to Himself His Spirit and His breath, all flesh would perish together and man would return to dust. So it's God who gives life. It's the Spirit of God who gives life. If the Holy Spirit would withdraw, you would drop down dead instantly. 
It's the grace of God's Spirit that gives this life. In God, I read this morning, we live, move, have our being. God gives to us life, breath, and everything. Jesus said, you remember this verse, don't you? In Luke chapter 11, where he said, What father among you, if your child asks for bread, will give him a stone? If he asks for fish, will you give him a snake, a serpent? Or for an egg, will you give him a scorpion? If you then know how to give good, give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give? The Holy Spirit to those who ask. Meaning that anything you ask, any prayer that is answered, who is it that brings the answer to that prayer? Who is it that supplies your every need? Who is it that gave you an afternoon nap, Arpi? Huh? Sure. It's the Spirit of God that refreshes even the body, not only the soul. Wow. And He does that not only for you, He does that for His whole creation. It's the Spirit that gives life. So Jesus Christ, the whole universe is upheld and held together by the word of His power. That is Christ. But how does He do it? By his Spirit. In Christ all things hold together, but how does He do it? By His Spirit. Let me read to you in Isaiah again, chapter 34, verse 16. It speaks of the animals. Seek and read from the book of the Lord. Not one of these, it's talking about all the animals that will gather. Not one of these shall be missing. None shall be without her mate, for the mouth of the Lord has commanded, that's the word, and His Spirit has gathered them. It's the Holy Spirit who keeps even the animals alive, and the fish, and keeps the birds in the air. What would happen if the Holy Spirit withdraws? Every tree would die. It would shrivel up and die. The birds would fall from the air, the fish would float belly up because they're dead, and every human being would die. So let me read this to you from, again, Psalm 104. I was there just now, but I only read one verse. Let me read two. Psalm 104, verse 29 and 30. When you hide your face, what is the face of God? When you hide your face, the all creation, they are dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die and return to their dust. When you send forth your... Spirit, they are created, you renew the face of the ground. You and I should honor the Holy Spirit. You should honor the Holy Spirit for the life He has given you. You should honor the Holy Spirit for all of life that He has given in creation. You should honor the Holy Spirit for the life He has given to others. How do you honor the Spirit for this gift of life? Well, in creation, you honor Him by taking care of creation. Jackie and Jeremy are involved in some project in Pilansburg, the Pilansburg, uh, where they take care of creation. Uh, you take care of creation, right, I hope? You feed your dog? Good. Yes. And your cat? <laughs> and your bird? So you take care of that. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 11 it speaks of the righteous taking care of his animals. That's part of God's creation. Part of God's creation is that when you're in the car, 
you don't throw your chocolate wrapper or your Coca-Cola can out of the window. And like you see in this area, it's all dirty and filthy and in many parts of our country, people just throwing trash. No, you take care of God's creation. You thank Him for the life He has given in this creation. You respect Him and revere Him for that. Now, you don't worship creation, because that's possible. You start worshipping your chihuahua, carrying it in your handbag, pay millions of dollars, and you spend more on your dog than you do on human beings that are in need and poor, and you pay 15,000 rand for your operation for your dog, and if you want to save your dog, that's fine. But don't do that and say, and, and say I can't contribute to missions so sinners can be saved. You don't worship creation like the evolutionists. Man has cut down all these forests, David Attenborough, and now planted palm trees for oil. No. We don't do that. Another, another way we honor the Holy Spirit for the gift of life in the lives of others, yes, I know we might say we don't support abortion, and we think that's unbiblical and it's sin and it's murder, but do you vote for a political party that supports abortion? That's not honoring the gift of life that the Holy Spirit has given. If you don't take care of your family, well, we should as Christians take care of our family. So it doesn't matter if you're poor. As long as you say, this is what I can contribute, I take care of my family, I provide as God enables me. And what about widows and orphans? Yes, I'm, I'm really thankful in our church to see that families are taking their mothers into their homes or at least supporting them financially, caring for the widows and not holding back the salary of those people working for you, saying, I don't have money now, I'll pay you in a few days' time, but you pay all your things and everything you want and even your luxuries, but they don't get paid on time. James 5 verse 4, you're not honoring and respecting the Holy Spirit who's given life to those people. And then also in your, your own life, let everything that has breath, praise. praise the Lord. Psalm 150, that's how you honor the Spirit with this gift of life. You praise Him. And you don't, don't hold back the praise that belongs to Him. You give your body, you use your life to obey God, to please God. You offer your life as a living sacrifice, your body that He has created and given you. You realize your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, the kids club know this, you should do all to the glory of God. And then, keeping and maintaining life and keeping it healthy as you can. Which would mean that you do not purposefully go if you're sick and you don't care I need to go to church. What about the other people? To think of them and their lives and to honor the life the Spirit of God has given. Suicide? Does that honor the Spirit of God? No. And what about playing with your soul, neglecting your soul, not caring about the life that is not only here and now, but eternal life that God offers to those who repent and trust in Jesus Christ? If you neglect that, you're not honoring the life that the Spirit of God has given you. That shows disrespect 
for your own life and the life of others if you trample it under your feet. Second creation. So that was the first creation. The second one we'd call the new creation. I remember hearing an interview with some pastors about two years ago, and they were speaking about the end times, and they're pastors with different views on this. But one pastor said, the new creation has already begun. The new heavens and new earth has already begun. Is that true? The new heavens and earth, the new creation? What do you think? Well, yes, it has. Didn't the Apostle Paul say, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation? That has already begun. It's only the seed. The tree isn't there yet. But the seed has started germinating and growing. So we've got the new creation already. Didn't Jesus do exactly what he did in Genesis 2? In Genesis 2, created Adam. He is the lifeless body of Adam. And he blows into him and he receives life. What did Jesus do after the resurrection? The disciples in the upper room. Jesus blew on them. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. It's like he's saying, I am that God of Genesis 2. It's like he's saying, that was the first creation. Now I have come to make a new creation. John 20 verse 22, go and check me. Check me up. In Ephesians 4 verse 24, it speaks of we are being created. A new creature. Colossians 3 verse 10 speaks of us again. We are being transformed into the image of our Creator. So there's the new creation already started. Who is it that gives that new creation? Who is it, who is it that does it? What do we call that new creation in the Bible? There's a word for it. In Afrikaans, it starts with a word. It starts with a letter W. And it ends with Eder Geboorte. Wedergeboorte. The new birth. Regeneration. So it's the Spirit who does that. In John 6 verse 63, Jesus said, It is the Spirit who gives life. Ezekiel 36, God removes the heart of stone. He gives a heart of flesh. And then it says He places His Spirit inside of us. John 3 verse 5, We must be born of water and the Spirit. Romans chapter 8, verse 10. Let me read that to you. Romans 8 verse 10. Paul says, But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit capital S, is life because of righteousness. 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 3, verse 6. And then I'll move on to verse 17. Paul says again, uh, very last part of the verse, the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Life. In verse 17, where the Spirit of the Lord, or the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And then he moves on to chapter 4, verse 4, 5, 6, verse 4. You have been blinded by the goddess world. Satan's blinding the minds of unbelievers to keep them the seeing, seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And then we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus and Him as Lord. And then the next verse, verse God who speaks in darkness and says, let there be light. He has spoken into our hearts. Who is it that gives that light and life? I don't need to answer. You know the answer by now. 
It's the Spirit of God. And then Titus 3 verse 5, that speaks of our salvation by the renewal and regeneration, by the renewal and the washing of the Spirit. Die waterbad van wedergeboorte. Again, the Spirit who brings, just as in Genesis 1, hovering over the waters, bringing life from the water. And so, uh, Peter says that. Peter says, the world was created by and through water. 2 Peter 3. And now again, in the new birth, it speaks of the Spirit, die waterbad van wedergeboorte. It's like he's bringing this new creation from spiritual water, the life of the Spirit. Wonderful. How does this happen? How does this new creation take place? This new birth? Is it by being baptized in water? Some people think so. Is it by the human will? You just make a decision and you make yourself a new creation? It's not by the human will. Who is it? It's the Spirit of God. You have as little part in your new birth as you have in natural conception and birth. Ebert, you are not here because you decided, you know, I need to get born. <laughs> you didn't create yourself. It's an act and a decision outside of you. And so with our new birth. Now don't take my word for it. Take the Bible's word for it. Who is your maker? Who made you? Not only your body. Who made you a new creature? Psalm 95 verse 6 and 7. It says, kneel before your maker. Worship the Lord. And then it goes on to say today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Who is your maker? You go to the book of Hebrews, chapter 3, verse 7. It quotes that song. And then it says, the Holy Spirit says. The Holy Spirit is your maker. And the Holy Spirit creates this new life. Regeneration, the new birth, it's the work of God alone. There is no human finger in that work. It's the work of the finger of God, of the Spirit of God. John 1, we know this. To all who have received Him, to those who have believed in Him, He has given the right to become children of God. This they are, not of themselves, not through blood. In other words, you're not born a Christian. Not your parents who did this. Not through the will of the flesh. It's not that you decided, you know, I'm going to make myself a new creation now. It's not through the will of man. It wasn't your parents that decided. Or anyone else, the pastor. But they were born of God. It's the work of God. The sovereign work of the Spirit of God. There's Lydia sitting at a prayer meeting. She's been there a number of times. She's heard the Word of God. She's heard readings from the Old Testament. And then the Apostle Paul preaches. And the Lord opened Lydia's heart to understand. What, who did that work of regeneration, of bringing the new birth, of opening the heart, opening the spiritual eyes, opening the spiritual ears, opening the understanding? You were dead in your trespasses and sins. And then it moves on, Ephesians 2 verse 1, and then it goes to verse 5. God has made alive this person in Christ. Who brought you forth? Just like a mother brings forth a child, who brought you forth? By His own will, James 1 verse 18, God brought us forth. Not by our will, but by His will. 
1 Peter chapter 1 verse 3, God who has caused us to be born again. God does that. Romans 2.29, it speaks of, of the circumcision of the heart. Besnaidness van die heart. And then the Apostle Paul writes this. It's a matter of the heart, the circumcision, by the Spirit. It's by the Spirit. Galatians chapter 6 verse 15. So then, Paul says, it's not circumcision doesn't count for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. The Spirit does this new creation. It's not by baptism or by, oh, I've made myself a new creation. That, that's what you see, for instance, if we say it's by baptism, you would read Acts 8. You remember Simon the magician, Simon the sorcerer? Was he baptized? Yes. Was he a new creation? No. Peter tells him that. You're still in the bonds of your, you're still in the chains of your sin after his baptism. So it cannot be baptism. It's the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit regenerates. He gives new life. He makes a new creation to whom He wills, where He wills, how He wills, and as He wills. As He desires. The wind blows where it wishes. Can you see the wind? I asked the kids club that. What, did you, what do you think they answered? No, they can't see the wind. They were right. Can you see the effect of the wind? Can you see the secret work of the Holy Spirit in someone's heart, even as I'm preaching right now? Can you see the effect of what the Spirit does in someone's life? Oh, you'll see the fruit. You will see the branches sway. You will see the life that the Holy Spirit brings. So what is the effect? What is the very first proof that God has turned someone into a new creature? That God has brought the new birth? And I think many will answer this question wrong. The very first effect of the wind of God, the Spirit of God, is in someone's life, faith. They believe. Let me read this to you. In 1 John chapter, chapter 5, verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. That's the proof. You believe, which proves you are born again. Most people put it the other way around. Most people say, you, are, you believe in Jesus and therefore you are born again. The Bible puts it the other way around. You have received new life. God has opened the eyes. God has opened the heart. You understand and you believe. Let me give you some verses that prove this. Titus chapter 3, verse 5. Verse 4 says, uh, verse 5 actually, we are not saved by works, but because of what God has done by the renewal and regeneration of the Holy Spirit. So there you've got the new birth. And then only in verse, uh, which he has poured out, verse 6. And then only in verse 7. Justification by faith in Jesus. Ephesians 2, verse 5. You were dead in your sin. God made you alive with Christ. Only in verse 8, salvation by faith. And then, we've got another example in the New Testament to this. <clears throat> John chapter 3. If you are not born again, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And then he continues, unless you, in verse 5, unless you're born of the water and the spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. And then he continues with a new birth, a new birth. Only in verse 15. 
does he say? Faith in Jesus Christ. God first opens the understanding, the heart, the mind. He brings to life. And you see the Savior and you believe. Does a baby cry because he is born or is he born because he has cried? Do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe in Christ as your Lord and Savior? Do you see the marks of 1 John chapter 2, verse 29, where it says, If you know that He is righteous, you may be sure everyone who practices righteousness has been born of God. Do you see righteousness in your life? Obedience to God, a love of obedience. Chapter 3, verse 9, He who has been born of God does not continue in sin. Do you see that? Do you see 1 John 4 and verse 7? Let us love one another. Whoever loves has been born of God. Do you see that? Do you love other believers? You love to be with them. You love their company. Do you see chapter 5 verse 4? He who is born of God overcomes the world. Do you see chapter 5 verse, verse 18? Everyone who is born of God does not keep on sinning. Do you see the fruit of the Spirit in your life? Love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If you see all those things in your life, are you born again? Yes. Then you are a new creation. Your soul at least, your body not yet. Some of us feel it more than others. <laughs> You're going to receive a new body, but you have been born again. But it doesn't stop there. What does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit now makes you part of the church. Jesus builds His church. How? Who is it that builds the temple of the Lord, the new temple? Ephesians 2 tells us in verse 22, it's the Spirit of God. He's busy building this church. Who is it that gives you the water of the Word and cleanses you? Yes, it's Jesus, but how does He do it? What is that water? Who is it that gives you, gives you the spiritual gifts in the church so you can grow and bear fruit? Again, it's the Holy Spirit. You've been baptized by Christ into the body of Christ. You are drinking. As you drink water, you, have, you are drinking of the Holy Spirit. He has poured His Spirit upon you and upon His people. And now it's like the desert turns into a fruitful field and there's fruit trees everywhere. Isaiah 32 verse 15. And then when Jesus comes, so are we done yet? So you've been saved, you're now part of the church, what's, what's next? You're growing, you're bearing fruit, what's next? When Jesus comes, who is it that will raise your body from the dead? Yes, it's Jesus who will speak, but who will bring life? Who will bring every particle of dust that belongs to you, every bone? Who is it that will bring it together? Are you sure? Don't just say it because the sermon's on the Holy Spirit. Romans 8 verse 11. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. What kind of body will you receive? A body like Adam's body? Body of earth and clay and dust, Genesis 2. What kind of body will you receive? You will receive a body that can never get old. 
you will receive a body that can never get sick, can never feel pain. You will receive a body that will be eternally young, vigorous, full of vitality, full of life. You will receive a spirit that is, or a body that is always controlled by the Holy Spirit. A body that can never sin. An immortal body. Imperishable body. Go and read 1 Corinthians 15. You'll see the Holy Spirit in there. Verse 42 to 49. The first Adam became a living soul. The second Adam became a life-giving spirit. Wow, some of us are looking forward to that more than others, right? Especially if you're ill and you feel pains and you're getting older and you, oh, can't get up in the morning. And you're so thankful that we've got this hope to look forward to. And then not only your new body. Are we done yet? Some of you hope we're done. <laughs> it's hot. But we're not done yet. Because not only will the Holy Spirit give life to your new body. Who will give life to the whole new creation? It's the Spirit of the Lord who will give this life. Just as the Holy Spirit regenerated you and brought you to new birth, so the Holy Spirit will bring the earth to new birth. It says in Matthew 19, verse 28, the regeneration Jesus speaks of. So it's the Spirit of God who will do that. And He will create a new heavens and a new earth. Will the new earth be better than the Garden of Eden? The Garden of Eden was perfect. Can anything be better than the Garden of Eden? How? No tree of the knowledge of good and evil. No potential to sin and die. No Satan to tempt. And a body that is not created of dust. A glorified body. So the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, not only does the Spirit give this new life on the new earth, the Holy Spirit is the new life. And the Father and the Son. We have become partakers of the divine nature. 2 Peter 1 verse 4. It doesn't mean you are God. It means God's very life. I just finished a book this week called The Life of God in the Soul of Man. What does the Bible call that life? It's got a name. Eternal life. So God's very life. God Himself dwelling in man and giving us this life and giving us to drink from the water of life and the Spirit is that water of life, says Jesus in John 7, 37 to 39. You will reap from the Spirit eternal life, says Galatians 6, verse 8. That is a massive thing to think about. That here's the Father, Son and Holy Spirit from all eternity, three persons, one God, and there's this life vibrating and animating the eternal God, His very own life from Himself. And God takes a sinner and cleanses him and changes him and puts His very life into that person and brings him into the circle. And Christ in us and we in Christ, one with God and God in us. The fullness of God, says Ephesians 3.19. That is a big thing. That is a very great privilege, Christian, that you have been baptized, not just in the name, but into the name, literally, of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And now the Spirit of God dwells in you. Romans 8 verse 9. So let us not grieve the Spirit by being disobedient as we often are and sin against Him. 
let us rather stand in awe and in worship of the Spirit of the Lord. And let us do what honors the Holy Spirit most. What honors the Holy Spirit most? There's one thing that honors the Holy Spirit, I think, above everything else. And that is if you honor the Lord Jesus Christ. If you glorify Jesus. Because Jesus said, the Spirit will come. He will glorify me. John 16, verse 14. And you know, when I, when I uh, finished this, I'm almost done. But when I finished up the sermon in, during the week, and I thought of that, I just adored the Holy Spirit. That He's so humble. He just wants us to glorify Jesus. He wants to put Jesus on the stage. So we honor the Lord Jesus. And that just makes me want to fall down, yes, and glorify Jesus, but also glorify the Holy Spirit and praise Him and worship Him and pray this prayer. I'll close with this. Pray this prayer with, with an old Puritan preacher. And let's, let's close in prayer. O oh God, the Holy Spirit, you who proceed from the Father and the Son, have mercy on us. When you first hovered over the chaos, order came to birth. Beauty robed the world. Fruitfulness sprang forth. Move, we pray, upon our disordered heart. Take away the infirmities of evil desires and hateful lusts. Lift the mists of darkness and unbelief. Brighten our souls with the pure light of truth. Make it fragrant as the Garden of Eden as paradise rich with every good fruit, beautiful with heavenly grace, radiant with the rays of divine light. This we pray in Jesus' name and for your glory, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.